0: Hello and welcome back to the Wide World of Wargaming, Age of Sigmar podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex Gonzalez, with my great and good friends and co-hosts, John and Garrett, Uh, To get everything started off for the episode today, we are going to talk about our workbenches as per usual, but we are also going to take a little bit of a peek at an event Garrett went to recently, as well as take a look at the Riptide GT, which is coming up this weekend in Bremerton, Washington, and there's more to it than that. But before we get dive into the details, John, what is on your
1: workbench? Hey Alex, how you guys doing? Good to be back. Haven't been around in a while here. Just uh, busy with life and all that good stuff, so uh, nice to be back. Uh, As far as what's on my workbench, uh, of course, uh, as I was telling you, Alex, I had a little uh, dental work done earlier today, Mm -hmm. and so um, I still have a little bit of numb face going on, kind of that... uh, uh, my tongue seems to be working fine, but kind of my the left half of my mouth is still uh, doing funny stuff. So, sorry if I slur or drool during the episode. Now, uh, I was consulting with my doctor, and uh, he recommended that a good 12-year scotch is um, appropriate <laughs> after dental work. You got to keep the, the mouth clean, prevent any infection. So, I, oh, of, I course. of course, grabbed out the, uh, the Bale Venny uh, this evening to uh, – mm. Oh yeah, we'll clean out, clean out the uh, anything that's going on there. After that, uh, you know, since I've been out for a couple of weeks, guys, you know, uh, we've actually started a league um, at the local game castle, Mountain View, ran by uh, Sunny Win. We're going to talk to you a little bit about that later. But um, what we have is he not only gives points, of course, for playing and all that good stuff, but. By painting models, we have a hobby track going on. And, of course, I'm trying to get some models or points in the hobby track as well this year. So, Mm. you know me, guys. I'm a little bit competitive. I'm a little bit of a lazy hobbyist. But when there's some competition on the line, then all of a sudden I go crazy. So, uh, since last time I spoke to you guys, uh, I've been working on my Nurgle army. Uh, So... It started off, I added 70 painted plague bearers, just bought them off eBay. Um, and then, of course, I followed that up by picking up 15 more Putrid Blight Kings. These were uh, nicely built, but not painted. So I'm going to do some head swaps. So they'll be like my other Putrid Blight Kings, which are all Skaven themed. Okay. Um, I also picked up five Beasts of Nurgle and uh, another Fecuent Gnarl And I'm actually going to build six more Gnarl Maws. Uh, Our good teammate Casey has, uh, about a year ago, I invested uh, with some other teammates in a 3D printer uh, that he bought. And he and our uh, good friend Willow and I have been in a chat group working on Age of Sigmar 3D printed terrain. Mm. Uh, we've been buying, uh, files, kickstarters, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you should see some of the absolutely amazing stuff that Casey has been printing. Well, he gave me a whole test sample that was a bunch of swampy trees. And so I'm building a swamp table for, for at home, but wow. I'm also converting five of those to be feculent gnarl because I'm going to do the, um, Nurgle's, uh, menagerie, uh, uh, battalion is one of the things I want to build. I'm not just building a list for Nurgle. I'm actually just building up the rest of my army. Uh, beyond that, I picked up um, <laughs> I picked up some, or I didn't pick up, but I actually got around to building the uh, Plague Drones and Horticlux Slimux from the old uh, Blight Wars box. They've been sitting unbuilt on my shelf for a couple years. I painted those guys, uh, put some pictures up on uh, the interwebs, as it were, Uh, Also built myself a Spoilpox Scrivener, Sloppity Bile Piper, uh, and I also got Lord of Blights and Lord of Plagues. Like, that has been my workbench. Top, top that, Garrett. (laughs) What what you been working on?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think I'll ever be able to top that ever, but uh, I'm sitting here and I got a nice can of uh, uh, Lost Boys Cider Comeback
1: Kid ooh in a can huh
2: yeah it's um it's a nice local cider that opened about cidery that opened about a year ago in alexandria virginia and the comeback keg is i believe their flagship one and it's a dry cider uh it's a really nice one um so i had for presidents day um the, a lot of the locals who are government employees and everybody uh, have the day off because it's a federal holiday so we decided to have our standard Monday d d session and a buddy of mine brought over a six pack of these uh, so I was able to save one of these and uh, drink it for tonight mm. good stuff so uh, <laughs> it is a good cider if uh, if you ever come back out here for anything John uh, will definitely get some of the Lost Boys stuff it's actually uh, quite tasty
1: Oh, very nice. Well, I mean, I will definitely be coming out there. I mean, it looks like I won't be able to make it to Nova this year, but uh, that means I'll definitely be coming next year. So I'm thinking like Nova is going to become my every other year trip as far as that goes. So and uh, who knows, I might even be able to sneak out. You guys have so many GTs up there in the great uh, northeast that. uh, Oh, yeah. I might just come out for some random event because why not? Right.
2: Yeah, no, we we got we got a bunch going on and uh, more popping up actually after this last ITC season. Uh, we could talk more about that later, but uh, actually I've started to finally look at committing to an army, and so I'm building in some stuff. Uh, I got uh, the Ether War box for James because he wanted to get the uh, engine riggers from that. And just figured he'd just get the ethereal box to get the engine master as well. So I started building some of those for James because I ended up taking his tempest eye list that we've been building to the tournament that I went to this last Saturday. So I've been I built those up, and then I just got myself a celestial huracanum on uh, with battle mage because it's a staple in any Cities of Sigmar list that you need to have. And I've been looking at trying to build some living city lists because I really want to use Sisters of the Watch. I love the model, and I love how they perform. And so I'm looking at uh, using them, so I'm building that up as well. And then I'm probably just going to start painting my Sisters of the Watch myself and uh, look at painting that Celestia Hurricanum. Um, I actually, uh, am about to jump into a league of my own, a buddy out here, uh, Dutch Adams. <laughs> uh, he, he decided to start up at a league and this is, um, not an escalation league. It's going to be one of those, uh, you play six games over or five games over seven weeks and you just bring a 2000 point list every game. And then. He like breaks us up in little divisions and just kind of get people playing match play competitive games. And he's got it set up where it's like, it's a, you, there's four uh six man round robin pods. So there'll be 24 players in the whole league, but you will only play in your division. So you're only, so he's going to try to organize people by their skill level or, uh, you know, appear, appear skill level. you has got to, I think using ITC points to of, from 2019 to determine the, Uh, brackets to start off and then he'll use the previous leagues then on to build them and so you just play everybody in your pod and then whoever wins the pod you might jump up one or down one for the next league or whatever and sounds fun good way to just get a bunch of games in with people of equal skill level and figured I'd jump in So gonna try. I think I'm gonna go with Cities of Sigmar. Might do Sylvaneth. Still jump. I'm basically between those two armies at this point. But since most of my Sylvaneth's already built and painted at this point, I'm just gonna start building up and painting some cities stuff now. So that's really exciting.
1: But Garrett, uh, Garrett, I'm real curious about what you were talking about with uh, the league. So is it gonna be? the entire league is is pods but then that sets up the next league to have like ranked pods or exactly in this okay got you well that's yes. a, that's an interesting way to approach it i like that yeah
2: so it, it, i think he has four pods set up it's like platinum gold silver bronze whatever and uh So the Platinum is supposed to be the six best players and he's going to use the ITC 2019 ITC rankings to determine the seeding for the first league. And then based off people's performance in the league, they'll jump up or down a pod. Um, And so you'll as we do more and more leagues, I think is the idea. You'll start being with the people that is your apparent skill level and he'll have prizes at the end of every seven weeks. And I don't know. It just sounds like a really fun thing and excuse to get out and play once a week so yeah really excited uh for that um and then i'm looking to attend an event in bel-air maryland uh at bel-air games and james and i'll probably both be bringing cities of sigmar list of that and we've already got 20 people signed up for that with a couple on the wait list it seems so really excited for that event as well so yeah just kind of working towards those sorts of things and uh Getting excited to get back into Sigmar after a nice hiatus leading up to LVO. Um, Alex, you have a GT coming up. What do you have a workbench or you got it all done and covered?
0: You think I do jokes on you. I definitely have a bunch on my workbench. Um, (laughs) I uh, was going to up until this last weekend, I was just going to bring my LVO list and go like, whatever. You know, if, if I, uh, it's fully painted and it's like nicely painted. And you know, I got good hobby scores last time, so screw it. I'll just bring what I brought last time or, or at the last uh, big event, you know, LVO, and I don't have to worry too much about it. Just practice it more. Don't make the same mistakes I did last time uh, at the hammer, uh, you know, against KO, and then I'll be all good. Uh, and then I played some practice games this weekend. Um, our uh, good friend and newer teammate, Bronson James, uh, he. Uh, he he borrowed my night haunt to, uh, you know, because he's actually going to be bringing that to the event I'm going to this weekend with Jeremy and a bunch of other people. Uh, and I was kind of coaching him through bringing my SoCal open night haunt list, which is now at 1980. And it made me realize that I was really excited about night haunt again, just helping guide him through the army. And they actually, you know, it was like playing chess against myself while also teaching him, uh, that army and I I realized I was like, Oh man, my, my night hunt army would be not bad against that. This particular OBR list that I was experimenting with at the time. And so it made me want to change lists up, but also like, I wanted a little bit of a punch. So I was, you know, as I like to do, I was texting uh, Jeremy a bunch for a new army list and I was giving him ideas, you know, what about this? What about that? And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if second place, might as well talk to first about advice and, uh, All of a sudden I built this list and I was like, hey, you know, it's got not nearly the amount of regeneration and not nearly the amount of resilience, but it hicks like a brick shithouse. Like, here's the list, Jeremy. What do you think? And he just responded with a little thumbs up emoji. And I'm like, okay, dude, like, (laughs) what does that mean? And he's just like, I like it. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'm thinking about bringing it and I'm going to bring it to a league so on Tuesday, I brought it to a league night and did very well against uh, Warhammer Hero and uh, T.O. of Rose City Wrath, Jeremy Shroff, is Ogre Ma Tribes uh, list, and he is also going to be at the event this weekend. Uh, and uh, Jeremy informs me that he is bringing the 100% exact same list as I am to Riptide. So we're going to make it a case study on armies and how certain lists perform for OBR because it'll be basically his final event bringing OBR until he dives headfirst into headfirst um, saltily, if I were to create a new word into uh Caronon overlords. And so it is, uh, it is actually two battalions in an OBR army. And as I, as our regular listeners might know, I, myself and, and Jeremy, and I'm, I believe uh, you, Garrett, we were all pretty much against bringing battalions in OBR armies simply because you were really strapped for points. But um, it is a shield Corps battalion and a catacruzian uh, death lance battalion. Um, so it is going to be kind of all out offense with a little bit of the regeneration factor or resilience, but not nearly to the same degree. Um, so it's got, you know, a bone shaper, two units of 10 more tech. And a unit of 20 more tech, all in the shield core, uh, and then it has a uh, the Catacrosian Death Lance uh, is the one with the two Morgas Harbringers, at least one unit of Morgas Harbringers, and then two units of Stalkers. So I've uh, min the unit for all of that. So it's uh, two Morgas and two units of, t- of three Stalkers. I'm um, all with blades. So uh, you know because of that, uh, my Morgas Recipit were were being stripped, and I totally forgot that I was. I put them in simple green months ago, so I yanked them out, rebuilt them, and right now we're we're about sixty percent there painting them. And then I've been working on stalkers for some time, but I had to clip the falchions and um, on a few of them, and I replaced the falchions with um, you know the blades, the axes from the Immortus Guard, so they're my spirit blades for another unit. Um, So, you know, a lot of converting, a lot of moving stuff around, a lot of painting, um, because this is very much a completely different list. Um, It's only got one harvester and it's got a soul mason and a clavos is the general, uh, a liege clavos. So, you know, it's got some fun stuff spread around, Um, not nearly as much casting. Um, the Leech Clavos has the Helm of the Ordained, so I might not have the Holy within 36 plus one to hit bubble, but I have a Holy within 12 instead with this Leech Clavos, which is not the same at all, but hey, it's something. And, uh, for those of you who don't know about the Death Lance, that battalion's benefit is at the start of the turn or before the first battle round begins, um, you can move if the, uh, the, if... All units from the Battalion or the Deathlands are wholly within 12 of the Two morga- Morgas Harbinger unit. They can move 6 inches before the game begins. So with one unit that can move up to 9 inches with a rerollable charge and another unit that can move 12 inches with fly and use 3 dice to charge, uh, that's a pretty big boon for them. Yeah? Peanut Gallery?
2: Oh, are, are we are we allowed to talk now?
0: <laughs>
1: okay. For the record, John always I, goes on tangents. I always no. I actually thought you were pausing to cut off this yeah, segment.
2: Me too. I thought you were pausing to cut off the segment. That's why I was staying quiet.
1: I, I thought you were lit, like, yeah, going to stop, and then we we're going to start a new segment.
0: <laughs> mm, then this is going to be uh, going to be awkward.
2: Well, <laughs> should uh, we just cut off there, anyways? Yeah, and, and then
1: tell- then we jump in with some commentary sure so like so yeah so let's let's cut it off at the big side oh man alex that is so cool i tell you what i am really excited now i mean you guys again the top players in the itc last year you and jeremy right excellent players but now playing the same list i mean if you come in one and two if you face each other in the final round That would be amazing. So, I, 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 dude, I cannot, I cannot waste this. Now, I just got to ask you though, Alex. Okay. Uh, It wasn't clear to me in how you just told this story. Is this Jeremy going in and saying, this is how OBR should be played, popping a list on the table, and you going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do? Or is it more the other way around? Or is this something you guys cooked up together in your sort of little uh, dungeon of iniquity over there?
2: Yeah, that's kind of, I was wondering the same thing. I was going to say, like, did Jeremy just, like, give you the thumbs up and then, like, walk away and be like, by the way, I'm coughing you? Or did you guys kind of, like, come to this conclusion together?
0: No, 100% what you just said is what happened. Like, I built this list and he said, like, oh, it's good. I like it. And then we just kind of, like, left it at that. And then two days later, he was like, oh, by the way, I'm bringing that list. So, you know, and then I made a joke about like, oh, well, maybe I'll bring the same list and we'll see where things go. And then he's like, well, fucking do it. So. Oh, OK. Uh, so
1: I mean, so you guys weren't, weren't like talking about list ideas. I mean, I mean, obviously you play a lot. You probably bounce ideas off each other all the time. But but course. this was like Alex in his quiet moments in, in his evil dungeon saying this, this, this is how it can be done. <laughs> I like it. I like it.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna see how it turns out. Um, you know the 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 there's gonna be a widespread of different armies there, of course. Um, Man, it's so, a big event
1: too. How many people? Uh, it's a is it gonna be a major? Almost a major, right? Well, there's gonna be forty people signed up
0: likely. Um, right now we're at thirty nine. We were at forty previously. We had a few last minute drops. a Few teammates dropped. Um, but we are hopefully going to be able to make it a major. If they're able to get 40 full people to commit instead of just 39, then it will in fact be a major event. Otherwise it is going to be just below a major event, um, in the very high thirties, um, at least, at least. So I,
2: I find it very, I, I give it a very slim chance that you guys will be a major, I know they're trying really, really hard, but putting a hard cap at 40 seats in these two-day travel GT-level events, you inevitably have a couple of drops. And so if you're only able to sell 40 tickets and you don't oversell that, um, you're going to end up with 40 tic- 40 seats filled, 38 show up, and you'll miss that major mark.
0: Maybe. I mean, you're, that's very likely. Um you know, with this, with the people who show up at these type of events, especially in the Seattle, Tacoma, Bremerton area, the Victoria's Secret guys, and of course, you know, Jack Ballard, they're all pretty consistent with grabbing a lot of people, especially kind of like last minute people. Like I've been to events where Jack, you know, uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a brother who, who like plays semi actively and he's been able to like requisition him and like, like get him to bring his seraphon at the last minute. Um, you know, I know I was like I was
1: even tempted to see if I could make it up there I'm you know I'm going up for the Rose City Wrath in a few weeks so it's not really in the cards for me but I had a couple different people offer me to a place to stay up there uh, even our uh, good friend Dylan Masalis is up there said I could hang out with him if I wanted to for the weekend wow that would have been rad yeah right
0: I I think it's
2: it's one of those things where yeah, it's you guys can like bring a lot of last minute people, but that works when you don't have a sold out event when you just have a highly sold event. But the issue with that sold out event I feel is that there's a risk involved with bringing like the person's like, oh, I'll show up but then if it is still sold out, then they showed up and can't play and if they traveled far for that event, uh, they get screwed and they feel uh you know, like they got shafted and so you end up, With a bunch of people who go like, well, do I risk it? It's sold out, but there might be drops. There's inevitable drops. And then they kind of weigh and they're like, it's probably not worth the hour long drive for me to show up and not be able to play. I just won't show up. And then so you it cascades and you end up having like two people drop or five people drop or something like that. Like, I think it's a thing when once you go to the two day tournaments, you inevitably have a 10 percent drop of like 10 between five. And 20% drop rate, depending on your size. The larger your event, the higher the percent drop rate I have noticed.
0: Yeah. Well, and maybe even, just those that, those, that East Coast meta, there's a lot of, a lot of random drops, a lot of flaky people, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I've you seen it the at West Coast LBO. Commits,
1: though, right, Alex? Boom, yeah. all there, all in, all the time.
2: All <laughs> 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 I mean, I've seen it at LBO, I've seen it at BAO. Um I've seen it at socal open i've seen it at nova I've seen it at uh g t s around here You just inevitably have i mean like even a two people dropping that's like five percent of forty people if that yeah. it that's still a really low drop rate if you have or even just one person not showing up that's a two and a half percent drop rate, which is ridiculously low, but that one because your the hard cap was at forty seats that one drop means you're not a major.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's going to be a good amount of feedback that I'm going to be able to provide to them. Like even if they had uh, 44 maybe. seats or
2: heavily pushed waitlisting, like if they're like, "Hey, we're sold out, but you should waitlist" and they provided tools to like let people waitlist and stuff, like if they encourage that heavily, um, I think that uh, there's
1: not a, an app or something that could have a, a function that like, once the ticket sold out for an event, you could automatically sign yourself up for the wait list and be oh, maybe uh, notified shoot. if someone canceled. Oh, oh my oh, God. <laughs> wow. That,
0: that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's John, amazing. <laughs> Yo.
1: You know, well let me let me just add that to the list. All right, (laughs) I know you have some experience. You know, I'm giving you shit when I suggest anything like that. That's it. Hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) like just just do it.
2: (laughs) But I mean, like, even if he had 44 seats, if he could just find a way to get two more tables of space, like like sort of half commit those two tables, and then so he had 44 tables, and then that gives him four people breathing room that could drop, and he's still
1: a major. Yeah, that, that's where you need is you need some kind of a guaranteed flex. Like a thing I'll, I'll often try to get happening is like some local friends that maybe don't really play AOS or are super casual. And so they're willing to like, look, I'll, I'll play the first day if you need an extra player or two. And so as a TO, you almost have to set up, you know, one to three quote, quote, local buds, kids and my spouse um, to cover, and that's that's where you get your buffer zone from. I mean, and and again, that's that's if we're talking something like this, which is a two day GT major kind of borderline. We're not talking Nova, you know. We're yeah, not talking exactly. cal Open. Once you once you're to a certain size, then you don't even worry about the buffer zone.
2: But if you have those targets of like wanting to be a major or wanting to be a GT, I feel like you should err on the side of having drops. And I feel like it was really risky having 40 seats and expecting to be a major.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good amount of feedback to give to Andrew, uh, the TO, for future use. And hey, if it ends up becoming a major, I can laugh at you about it. I mean,
2: it's funny because RTTs, one-day tournaments can sometimes have the opposite effect. Uh, So the tournament I went to on Saturday... It was the day after Valentine's Day and I was able to, you know, negotiate with my wife. I'm like, yeah, you know, we've been working hard. I'm going to go to this tournament on Saturday and then you'll have me on Sunday. And when I signed up, there were like six people signed up and I was like, oh, whatever. It's a good store. Oscar puts on Oscar. Lars puts on a great show.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I'll just sign up and go. And then I look at my phone the next morning as I'm about to drive there and there were 18 people signed up.
1: Yeah, I have found like, that with a lot of RTTs too. Like people don't want to commit to the last minute.
2: Yeah, and I was talking to a store owner and he was like, yeah, we had two people call and they're like, we're driving down from DC. And it, it was down near Richmond in Midlothian or however you pronounce it. And uh, they like, so it was about an hour and a half drive for me to go to. And so these guys are calling the store like, it, it, we um, two guys from DC that want to go, like, should we go? And he's like, I wish more people would, pre-reg because they regularly get like 14 people showing up and we had 20 people show up the day after valentine's day and i was like all right like i'm I'm, i can dig this man like it was actually a lot of fun and a lot of people showed up and it was super surprising to see go from six to 20 in 12 hours that's awesome yeah
0: wow okay cool and like you know these bremerton events too uh at blue sky hobbies or blue wizard hobbies rather um, it actually, like, I've been to RTTs there that have pulled like 24 people before. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I love it when a store can pull like good numbers, especially for an AOS event too. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, that is just going to be, uh, you know, speaking of events though, you mentioned that you went to this RTT here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that event, how did it go for you and was James there with you?
2: James uh, did not make it. So James lives about in 45 minutes to an hour north of me in Silver Springs, Maryland. And I'm down in Springfield, Virginia. And this event was down right outside Richmond, Virginia. So that was about an hour and a half drive, no traffic for me. So it would have been almost like over two hours for James to go. And so it was the day after Valentine's Day. So he was just like, I'm I'm not going to go to that. Sorry, Garrett. <laughs> uh, but he did, He did lend me his entire army. So I was I brought. Uh, a modified version of his LVO list to kind of practice some of the changes that we've made to his uh, LVO list down at the tournament. So uh, I show up, uh, there was, uh, there's, there's actually a pretty good pool of competitive people. You got Mike Vaginos, a uh, previous ETC player, he showed up and, um, and there was a Jordan Weatherwax. Uh, he was shooting after your uh, best night Nighthaunt title. I don't know if you met, I believe you met him at Nova last year.
0: He Alex. did. He was giving me a lot of crap for be- getting best night Nighthaunt at Nova, and I was like, I'm 300 points ahead of you, sir. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's he's shooting <laughs> for your title this year. He's like, oh, Alex is going to be playing OBR, and I'm like, dude, Alex is already getting bored of OBR. He's going to go back to Nighthaunt soon. I'm sorry, bro. Okay,
0: hey, <laughs> you know what? If he's listening, I will say uh, sure, I'm, I'm definitely very Interested in getting back into Night Hunt, I'm definitely going to be playing OBR as well this season. But if a soul blight book does come out, I'm basically stopping everything I'm doing and I'm getting into Soulblight. So yeah, he actually I got that was, army.
2: he actually was playing Legion of Grief this time around, uh and he regretted it because uh, I played yeah. him round yeah I played him round three, and we were both two losses going in. So, to answer the question of.
1: I I want to know more about that alone, Garrett. Uh, I'm looking at your record here, buddy. And uh, what happened? Garrett. Well, that's a Garrett special.
2: Uh, Oh, yeah. No. um, So, to say how I did, uh, I played like shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, as you want to do. I know. Like, it's so bad because, like, I'm playing James's list and I see the potential in the list. I'm like, this is a good list. But, holy shit, am I piloting it so bad? Like, it, it my first round opponent was against a 40k convert to AOS. And so he was new to the meta. He didn't know a lot of things playing flesh to course, which is actually one of the worst matchups for this list because of the amount of damage they can pull. And I just made a really bad decision turn uh, during deployment. And I, I, I under the speed of the terror geists. Um, and I just, he, I just played poorly. Um, I could have deployed a lot better, deployed a lot tighter. I'm a little sloppy on screen deployments and it's very necessary with this list. I mean, it's one of the, and he got really lucky with his uh, extra attack spells because he got plus three attacks on the D3 and got the extra attack spell off both times. And so he had plus four attacks, uh, Crypt Horrors that killed 20 um, Iron Drakes in one turn. Of my Ugh. 30 and it was just like pfft, all right well i mean like what do you do with double piling in plus four attack cryptors slamming into me and it was just like i and i messed up and he had one uh crypt ghoul left and using the chalice he revived eight like ten of them and so he stole an objective from me and it was just a lot of these little things that just did not go my way and i i didn't play it right and so that was game one and then game two is against slanesh on bound for the pass and he gave me turn one, and I just played too aggressively. He killed all of my iron drakes, and I actually, you know, was holding my own. But like the iron drakes dying real quick did not help. And um, the although the frost heart phoenix was in combat with Archeon for five combat phases and survived them all, or he died on the fifth one. So Jeez. I was happy. To, oh, wow. Yeah, I was happy to have the, the frost phoenix in the list was actually a. The nice thing about playing this tournament is I was trying out two new units for James, which was the Frostheart Phoenix and the Engine Riggers, and I was able to see how well they performed in his list. So the first game, the Engine Riggers died turn one, top of one, but throughout the game, I was able to see where the Engine Riggers would have been valuable, and so I was like, I wish my Engine Riggers hadn't died holy shit, the speed and shooting capabilities of these engine ringers in a Tempestide list would be very valuable. And so I was able to notice their value in them not being there, which was cool.
0: You and don't then, know what you have till it's gone, man.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, it, but it was. it's interesting, rather than seeing the value of a unit by seeing how well it performs, is seeing the potential value of a unit by seeing how it would have been performing if I still had it. And noticing that value was actually kind of <laughs> cool. I will say that like it was uh, just like oh like this would like if I had 10 more iron drakes versus t- six engine riggers I would have rather had the six engine riggers because they would have performed better than the 10 iron drakes even though the iron drakes like have higher damage output
1: just the mm-hmm, engine riggers have this mm-hmm. had the
2: flexible speed that the list needed um, and then I was able to see the how good the frost heart phoenix did as just a solo agent T- tanking Archeon or spearheading and uh, holding off thirty crypt ghouls and so being able to see the frost heart phoenix just perform speed and defensiveness really well. So I learned a lot about this event for James.
1: Um well, well now now how is he, he gonna take that feedback from you? I mean I can just see James he'd be like, hey mate, you know uh uh you know hey, you <laughs> At my list. <laughs> if you're going to give me some feedback here, <laughs> that kind of I don't. I, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, James. James, luckily,
2: under like I. I've come to realize that I'm pretty good at coaching James into doing well, and not good at playing myself. For whatever reason, I just once I start rolling dice, I play awful and tactically bad. But I provide a lot of tactical and mathematical feedback by analyzing the situation that helps James. And he can hear me and be like, okay, I see what you mean by that. And we've actually decided to drop the Phoenix for the engine master because the one downside of the Phoenix was that it kind of was a tank, but didn't do enough damage. And the engine master can tank half as much, but it has a lot of guns. So it can shoot a ton, which is very good in Tempest.
1: So I'm, 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 I'm actually kind of curious. I'm into this whole coaching thing that I'm hearing about. Cause like, you know, if James has been coached by Garrett, he got third place. Uh, Alex is being coached by Jeremy and uh, got second place. I mean, the ITC. What the heck? I need a coach too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you, you and Michael should like hook up and just start coaching each other as a bunch, and like seeing which one of you performs better on the table versus, like, I, like. Well, well, I know what's
1: going to happen there. Then then it'll be Mike doing well with me as, as the coach. <laughs> as Sometimes <we> <laughs> you just
2: got to be the coach. Like, you know, you don't do well, but you make others do well on your team. So you're boosting up your team, and that is satisfactory enough. Okay, See,
0: Garrett, okay. I thought of that situation. I thought of you less of a coach and more of, like, Sisyphus here. Oh, again. <laughs> no? Okay, never mind. I'll let you Google it after recording. It's good. It's not a bad thing, but I mean, it can't, I mean, like it's fine. It's fine. No, it's, it's funny. What's
1: funny is you, you make that reference, uh, on the regular. So <laughs> if he hasn't Googled it by now, <laughs> I know,
0: well, I, I guess that would be like the third time since recording started. <laughs> yes. uh, um, however, uh, yeah, you know, it, I, I do like that concept, that idea of, you know, almost like a pseudo mentorship. Um, and you know, I think that that helps foster community as well as, added competitive play. Like I mentioned earlier, um, helping a friend like learn night haunt, you know, barring my entire army and then practicing against me with my list. And like, it's one of those things where you want to pull punches so you can like explain situations and then also like help them understand the army more, but then you yourself start to learn the army a little bit more too, or at least how it does against certain matchups and you go, Oh, it's not
1: that bad. <laughs> No doubt, it pushes the idea that uh, top players come in pairs, as it were. Oh yeah, oh yeah, two by two for sure. For well, sure. now
0: I actually need
2: some scores to you know be a top player with James, rather than I don't. I was probably down there like. Well, no, you had a years. chance to
1: get a score this weekend. You need you need wins to be a top <laughs> player, <laughs> right?
2: Well, I got another shot um, on the seventh of March at the Bel Air event where James and I will be going together. So maybe I won't drop the fucking ball this time. Um, yeah, fair you, enough,
0: Garrett. You, you're gonna find a way to fuck this up.
2: Oh, I am 100, like no doubt.
0: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I, I, have, <laughs> I, I have
2: completely lost faith in my ability to perform well at events. Um. So yeah, I'm just gonna leave that there. Performance just oh, pretty we need common.
1: Some, yeah, we need some some uh, some boosts for you. We're gonna like privately message you, Garrett. You can do it. You got this. You, the man. Well, really, <laughs> I just need to do ever- a list and have play ever, more have you ever heard of the secret before the secret
0: yeah no, no? okay that's yeah. another more google <laughs> homework for you <laughs> yeah there we go it's one of those like new new age like yuppie self-help kind of like philosophies oh <laughs> right from okay oh yeah. ding ding that. ding <laughs> from yeah. 20 years. yeah so yeah prime yuppie yuppie era um oh boy uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, good luck at that event i definitely hope all goes well there um, you know, I myself am going to an event this weekend, the Riptide GT, as we talked about a little earlier. Um, it is definitely going to be an interesting event because it is going to be, uh, again, another Pacific Northwest event with a wide variety of players. As I talked about earlier, you know, Jack Ballard from re-rolling ones is going to be there a lot of the Victoria's Secret guys, a few Helveticans from Spokane, and then of course a lot of Corsairs, primarily myself and Jeremy, and uh, a lot of the newer Corsairs, the Chump Change chapter, if you will. Um, And we're going to have a lot of fun and play a lot of different games, but um, I wish Jeremy was here so he can talk to you guys a little bit about the uh, the weekend's list experimentation, uh, while preparing for Riptide, he realized he wasn't going to be able to get his Caradon Overlords done in time, uh, so he kind of like stopped, and that's partially what eventually led to him just bringing the OBR list instead. Oh, but um, I see. Yeah, he was dead set. He's he is dead set on making Caradon Overlords work in some way, some shape, or some form he uh unfortunately isn't doing so hot with it. I mean, he's like, I'm gonna make them work. I'm gonna make this ugly duck, you know, a swan and uh each time he was just frustrated at the game, which it just broke my heart to watch, but like it's it's a rough book for sure it's it's got a it's got a below average batting uh, uh, it's got a below average batting average, I would say uh, hey, I beat
2: you. Yeah. It's okay, pretty be, new.
0: You know, like I said, I started the game by going, or my opponent started the game saying, hey, do you know what new how a new KO works? And I went, no. And he's like, do you want to know? And I'm like, I don't need to know. And hey, I should have known. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my ignorance uh, ended up or, or led to my downfall there. So, hey, you know, it's a le- lesson learned. Um, but yeah, he, he's trying to bring a bunch of boats and it's just, it's hard. It's hard. I, you know, I wish he was here to record. He'll be able to be with us next week. He'll be able to tell us a little bit more about his thoughts on like the list he had. But, you know, against me, he narrowly uh, lost in a practice game and then, um, you know, just shoot the heroes. Right. Uh, and then he played against a variety of other lists and it just was underperforming each and every time. You know, an army that relies solely on the shooting phase. Ends up making things very difficult, and it ends up being a very hard game.
2: I'm curious about trying to ally in like thirty long beards or some vulkite berserkers or something like maybe some cost-effective melee dwarf units into Ko just to give them a somewhat of a melee punch.
0: You know, you can yeah. actually answer this question for me. I don't have the book. Um, who are their allies? All
2: right. Well, uh, while I look that up, John, I heard you mention the league that you're in. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's interesting enough. I actually just played uh, Caradron Overlord's player uh, this last week in the league. So uh, out here at uh, Game Castle Mountain View, we're having a uh, Escalation League. It is going to be ITC. Uh, seven weeks escalation, and we're uh, going into our third week here. There are, if you can believe it, 28 players in this league. I mean, it it blows me away the number of players that we get uh, on league night and Wednesdays, but uh, I tell you what, you put the word tournament out there, and I I barely get a a dozen people, so it's always interesting. Anyways, in our league, uh, ran by Mr. Sonny Wynn, local hero, Uh, we're going in, and it's kind of interesting how he does it, is at each week, Everybody who is at the same win level basically has to challenge each other and create our pairing. So it's not assigned pairings, but it is um, uh, sort of brackets each week by wins and losses. Uh, so in this current week, uh, we have, uh, it's funny, you were talking about the, the brackets before, uh, Garrett. I think you said you had like platinum, gold, copper. These brackets are the hungering tyrants, the rising <laughs> war chiefs, the people's militia. And the peasants. (laughs) And, of course, for the League, I myself am playing my uh, Nurgle army. I actually am playing um, uh, Grand Alliance Chaos is what I registered in the league as because I I wasn't sure if I wanted to play some Skaven or not, but I'm quickly sliding into uh, Nurgle, and I wanted to leave the options open for me to maybe try some uh, Slaves to Darkness lists before the end of the league as well. Um, But as it is, I got my first game in uh, against Seraphon, Sean with his Seraphon, and uh, here's a thousand What's that? Nothing, nothing. I was just talking
0: about stuff. I just thought it was funny. Seraphon Sean. Never mind. Seraphon Sean. I got Seraphon Sean. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, and uh, we're just winning at 1,000 points. So uh, he had like croak, skink, star priest, uh, some bunch of flame lizard crappy things on there, whatever, uh, you know. <laughs> so so here's the deal. And, and this is something that I said to him. It's like Seraphon has just as much summoning at 1,000 points as they do at 2,000 points so uh I brought a list I just brought 30 plague bearers uh five putrid blight Kings a demon prince and gut rot spume um good game good back and forth um uh I managed to pull it off no no big deal uh really what happened you'll you'll appreciate this um uh oh wait I think I already talked about this game didn't I this is the one where I made my illegal charges did I tell you about that
0: no but to oh, you no
1: no I okay you know what it's funny how things go Garrett and I were on shoutcast and I talked about this on the shoutcast. So, anyways, I had uh, my Demon Prince up there, and he had to make a seven-inch charge, basically to clear off some um, uh, some skinks off an objective, and that would have won me the the game, right? Pretty much would have won it for me. And I go to roll it, and I rolled a five. So I spent my command point, and I rolled it again. And I got another five. And this is, this is where I fully cheated, but I was completely punished for my cheating. So I spent my last command point, and I re-rolled my re-roll. Yes, I know, illegal. Figured it out very quickly, but nonetheless. Anyways, I re-rolled my re-roll. Also got a six. <laughs> my, friend, my opponent said, you know what? You should have used some different dice. <clears throat> so I picked up some different dice. I rolled them. Got snake eyes. He said, you should have used different color dice. I picked up the different color dice. I rolled a five. So I actually made, even though only the first two counted, I made five attempts at that charge and failed all five of them. Right? (sighs) Next, I went to make a three-inch charge with my 30 block of Plague Bearers. Oh, no. And I rolled a 12. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> and because I, I, of the 12, I was able to charge halfway across the board and grab the objective and win, anyways. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you, you you did tell us uh, about this, I believe, on a previous episode. No, that was uh, the shoutcast that we were ma- talking yeah, about. Yeah, may- maybe it was, the it was on the shoutcast.
1: It was on the shoutcast you and I were on. So, so then, okay, so, oh, yeah, go ahead, please. Oh,
2: I was just going to ask about the league format a bit more. Yeah. Um, so when you say you have like these different brackets, are you guys like, uh, playing only people within your bracket or is it the whole 28 people play someone in your win record?
1: Got you, got you. Yeah, so yeah, it started off with just 28 players. Anybody could challenge anybody. And then each week at by record, you only challenge people within your record or you can challenge one up. So a person with, um, you know, whatever, two wins and a loss can challenge a person with three wins, but a person with three wins can't challenge down.
2: Okay. So what what, what was the deal with the like hungering? Uh...
1: So yeah. So like right now, um, all of us that are undefeated in the league are in the hungering tyrants bracket. And okay. So, we, so we he can just challenge... names
2: the brackets by he just their... names,
1: the brackets. Yeah. Just like, okay. I thought it was funny because you had mentioned having platinum and gold brackets. So uh, yeah. that's the brackets we have out here. And then okay. uh, just to finish up real quick. Uh, so my second game uh, that I want to talk about, uh, because it's pertinent, I think, for what we're going to talk about the rest of the episode, was against Tyler with his Caradron overlords. Now again, we're only playing a thousand points, right? So I myself brought sixty plague bearers and a Guo. <laughs> that was my list. Uh, he, on the other hand, brought an ironclad with, uh, you know, he had an an Arkonaut company, and I guess he must have had two of them, because there's no other um, battle line units for, for KO, is there?
2: Oh, there's plenty.
1: Oh, is there? Well, if there's they, they, no other they, foot guys, though, right?
2: Uh, there are ways to make other... There, so the Thunderers are not battle line, but you can make them battle line, and then all uh, the frigates and the gun haulers can become battle line based off of your uh, code and mm-hmm. And then yep. the Bubble Boys can become Battle Line if you got the Bubble Engine Master.
1: Okay, so I, I'm not sure what he had. I know he had to have two Battle Line, and he had an Ironclad. He had at least one Arconaut Company, maybe two, uh, maybe two with different equipment or something. Uh, and then there was like a an Ether Chemist and a, a Navigator in there, and they were doing the uh, Barrack Zilfin, which I guess uh, uh, lets him do. Uh, if I remember right, it was like an extra go to the sky in the hero phase or something like that.
0: Yeah, um, it also allows your boats to be, the smaller boats to be battle line, I believe. Barak Br- Zilfin does
2: make frigates battle line, and I believe it's in your first hero phase, you get to make a move, and you can fly high as part of, instead of moving.
1: Yeah, so so he did that, and uh, what can I say? He, he actually put one model on the table for his deployment now he had to (laughs) load it up with with the different guys but but that was it there was just this one boat sitting on the table um and that thing jumped over to an objective we were playing shifting objectives and of course the objective kept being under the boat and it was one of these ones where we we just went back and forth um he took the objective from me i took it from him he took it from me i took it from him and so we were very, very close. I think there was a one-point difference going into turn five. And he jumps, he has all his guys out at this point. He has uh, the ironclad is over on the other side of the board pressuring the other objective. He has all his dudes, like nine dudes just within range of the objective. And I have been summoning plague bearers in blocks of five every turn. So I get seven points, I summon five. Seven, so I have like these little groups of five and three and four dudes all around the the objective. But it's always turning out, like he's able to shoot just enough to get like one more dude on the objective than me and he gets it. And then I'm able to kill like one dude back or summon another and get one guy in range and get the objective. So he shoots me. I go to roll Battleshock and I roll a one. <laughs> And I get five plague bearers back, or excuse me, four plague bearers back, brings the squad back up to full strength after having only one guy left in it. And that gives me just enough dudes to win the objective and just enough dudes to win the game by one point. So it was like one of those wow. um, amazing battle shock, the battle shock phase won the game for me. I w- it was awesome. <laughs> and I should say it actually didn't get me points. It was enough to where I prevented him from scoring the objective. Uh, so he wasn't able to take back the extra points at the bottom of five is, is what specifically happened there. So, mm. but I'll tell you what, that ironclad, what, what a little bitch that thing is. I kept <laughs> shooting it. It had, I don't know, like a three up re-rollable save. Um, and then it would heal and then it would heal some more shit. I mean, after getting it down to where it was almost like, you know, actually going to be ineffective, he brought it all the way back up to health several times, um, Those things are amazing. However, after the game, I started reading rules. You know, I have the KO book myself. So I went and read the whole book. I'm like, I'm not going to get caught out by this army again. And I realized something that if I wish I had known it during the game, you don't have to swing at the ship. You can engage the ship in, in close combat and swing at the dudes inside.
2: Yep, I mean the dudes inside don't count towards objectives for holding, nope. and they get plus one save and minus one to hit
1: against them. But... True, but when you're talking about that indefeatable, healing, re-rollable, stupid ironclad, uh, tell what? I'll take my chances against the squishy guys inside.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm wondering how he got the re-roll saves.
0: Uh, but uh, the, the try uh, the um ergold. Yeah, he was spending ergold. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you can spend Urgold on that. I've been playing so much KO against Jeremy. I, I'm, it's like the back of my hand now. Um, yeah, it's so funny, and we talked about it when the KO book for or, um Errata first came out, and the saltiness that Jeremy had about it. It's so funny that army. It's like it's it's a a garrison in name only. It, like oh yeah, sure you can attack the guys inside just like a garrison, but none of the other benefits count. Like the twenty thunders and two heroes in a big ironclad. And the ironclad itself, they don't count as twenty-three models. They count as one
1: model. Yeah, know? I was surprised and, by that, and and I like I thought maybe the ship would count as ten or five or automatically oh no. holding in none of that stuff. No, like, Games Workshop would sell too many models. Then they don't want to do that. Right? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so, so.
2: Now that I got the book open to answer this uh, question earlier, Alex, they can ally with or John, they yeah. can ally with dispossessed fire slayers. Iron Weld arsenal and stormcast eternals
1: stormcast well, so I there's mean, they, where you get your your guys on the ground
2: yeah but i'm just like wondering if like some fire slayers are dispossessed could bring in some sort of non-shooting element that's you know, tough you know you, you
0: know you can do you know you can do you honestly just want bodies and bodies that can hold stuff beyond them so screw it if the event you go to allows for mercenaries just get forty marauders. Yeah, right. Just get eighty oh, marauders.
2: <laughs> six hundred points, work. eighty marauders. They get a t six inches of movement because marauders are now
1: ridiculous. Yeah, so we'll we'll see if I uh, am able to maintain myself in the hungering tyrants uh, bracket for the league. Uh, I got my third game coming up this Sunday against uh, Mister James Porter you guys will remember won uh the winter wars this last year with his OBR. and uh, luckily for me he's not playing obR he's just playing oryx which uh you know is still plenty tough so we'll we'll see how that game goes I'll either be uh, continuing on as a hungering tyrant or I'll be uh, cast down to the uh, rising war Chiefs as it were so uh good stuff good stuff looking to see how this plays out
0: So the Riptide GT it's coming up this weekend. It may be a major. It's probably going to be a GT instead. Who knows? Thing is, there's something I want to talk about with this this event. Uh, Like any good regular tournament player, you got to read the packet. And sometimes you're a good player with a sweetheart and you just don't necessarily read the packet. Things happen from time to time. But more often than not, you got to read the packet. You want to read the packet. And, uh, you know, we were reading the packet for uh, Riptide and you know it's not allowing uh realm spells which is fine i'm feeling like that's a common thing now and if jeremy were here he would tell you that general's handbook 2020 is not going to allow malign sorcery uh but that's just his thoughts on it for a completely different episode um, you know, they're, I don't think they're allowing mercenaries, but there's a very interesting scoring mechanic here that I personally really like. And it's something that's a little different. Um, to preface everything here, the hammer GT had some secondaries that are almost like 40 K secondaries. Um, the, uh, the uh, previous GT I went to early, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, you would get a bonus point for your overall of, uh, for that round. If you tabled your opponent. Um, also if the, uh, if the game ended within the, you know, two hours and 45 minutes, you know, not just like, Oh, dice down right now. And the game's still, you know, you're at the bottom of the third uh, battle round or something like that. So you get bonus points for finishing your game, you get bonus bonuses for tabling your opponent, etc. cetera. Um, this event uh, Riptide has a maximum of 15 points that can be earned for any such, you know, uh, round. Um, For for your, like, actual event. And uh, for that, a major loss is zero points, a minor loss is three points, a draw is six points, a minor victory is nine points, and a major victory is 12 points. Now, hidden agendas are in play. However, uh, uh, once you complete your hidden agenda, uh, you will uh, instantly earn three points in-game victory points and must be immediately revealed once it's uh, once it's scored, and I find this to be really, really interesting because. Wait, wait, what's an in-game victory point? So, and so, so I want to tell you the last bullet point, and then I want to come back to that. So that's the that's the hidden agenda policy, right? And then there's also three secondary points for the round itself uh, and the scoring itself available for the round uh and it's it's uh, a part of your added overall score and you earn one point for killing your enemies uh, your opponent's general you get one point if your general is alive at the end of the game and you get another point if you went all five rounds and or came to a uh, agreed upon conclusion by the end of the round or, or by dice down uh so those are that's how you get the 15 points 12 for the major win. And three points for having, one point for having your general alive, one point for having uh, or killed your opponent's general, and then finishing the game on time. So where, does, where do hidden agendas come from? Yeah. Well, of course, had to specify with the verbiage of this uh, packet, and those are in-game points to determine. Who gets the win and who gets the loss? So, this is something that's really interesting to me. And I I actually was speaking to the TO a little earlier today about this because I wanted clarification. And it's really, really interesting to me. And I don't, and really, I'm not trying to say that it's a good thing or a bad thing. I really am truly coming from a place of neutrality here. But I'm curious about how it's going to work out because essentially, you know, John, if you and I played at Riptide and uh, you had hidden agendas and I had Onslaught. Well, you know, my Harbringers can do their 3d6 charge and they can be 10 inches away. I make my charge and I immediately have to let you know, John, I know right now you're you're beating me by one point. It's three to two, but I just earned my onslaught hidden agenda. So I'm immediately earning three more points for this mission. So now it's five to three. But let's say we continue on and it's tied at the end of the game. The fifth battle round's done. John, you have seven points. I have seven points. Then you reveal to me that you had ancient heirlooms as your hidden agenda and I didn't kill all of your characters with artifacts. You immediately go from seven to ten points and you beat me. Oh my gosh. So I I was curious because like, it's one thing to do the, and I, of course you want to immediately declare your hidden agenda once you've earned it, but the ones that are going to make people the saltiest is going to be the ones that are end of
1: game. Yeah. Just when you think you've won, you've made a gamble maybe to get a point ahead. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be something. Garrett, (laughs) what do you think about that?
1: that
2: uh that is definitely interesting like my initial reaction was i don't like it like just flat out first upon hearing it i was like that's stupid but then i thought about it for a second i was like okay let let me like give this an objective look because my initial reaction was it it distracts you from playing the mission like the actually the biggest thing i saw was not every point is created equal certain missions points are worth like there are less available points like some missions you can get up to 40 points like i've seen a 23 15 game in some missions while other missions it's like well it was a tight game Uh, it was like uh, yeah it was a blowout it was 10 to 3 but it's like that's only a seven-point difference versus a close game at 15 to 23 or something. Like some missions – like focal points, for example. There are five different objectives that are able to score points every single turn. And then
1: you have
2: uh, – What's yours is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Knife the Heart where there's there, there's the auto-win missions, which I'm guessing they're not using because they have no points associated
1: with it. Yeah, I guess. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting. Now, now, again, this can be – this is one of these things where it can be problematic – Or it can be a non-problem. It depends on the TO's conscientious choice. So I'm thinking like if you're making a mechanic where you're going to say this is a three-point swing, well, then you're going to choose missions like based on these missions score on average the same number of points. These are the the eight to 12-point missions on average for the winning player, and so the three-point becomes a third to a quarter of the score.
2: Yeah, that's why I was. My first question was going to be, "What missions are you guys playing?" Because like I feel like that's very important if you're going to make this decision. Uh, but it, but then thinking about that, as long as you're conscious about that, uh, the, the, how effective those three points are going to be, um, then it's actually kind of interesting because then the hidden agenda becomes part of playing the game rather than just like a little side pot because one of my big problems with secondaries is there's no reason unless you have some opportunity cost associated with them you're actually detrimented by not letting your opponent gang it because it hurts your strength of schedule to not let your opponent have it and so there's an there's no incentive for your opponent not to have it so you you just kind of like let people get they're supposed to and they become non-factors because if everybody gets it then nobody should get them you may as well just eliminate them
1: Oh yeah, you're not yeah. giving up this uh, this secondary for free and if you forgot to declare one, uh, too bad, so sad.
2: Yeah, so but making them as part of scoring the mission, they no longer affect your tournament score. So it's not a fa- it doesn't actually factor into how it it doesn't change the tournament, but it affects how you win a game, which makes it an interesting mechanic for playing a game, which actually is is kind of interesting. But then it also kind of defeats the purpose of the hidden agendas, which are used as supposed to be differentiating factors to create uh, score depth rather than just did you win or did you lose? Because uh, the other three points, like at least the one of them is did you guys play on time? I'm pretty sure nine times out of 10, players are going to be like, yeah, yeah, we both get that point. Like, even if you didn't finish the time, unless somebody's actually pissed, they're just going to be like, yeah, 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 <laughs> we, we finished the time. We, we talked it out. Like, both players want their fucking point. So they're, they're not going to like, everyone's going to get that point, which then makes it a throwaway point. So that's, that's one thing when you're making secondary points, you have to make it something that everyone's not just going to achieve. Cause then you may as well have not included that point.
1: Right. Well, the the general one is definitely, you know, general live general kill yeah. is one of those kind of back and forth ones that, you know, nobody's going to give it up for free and uh, you definitely have to earn it. On the other hand, not all generals are created equal either. So there's... Yeah, but uh, you you can, if you
2: know, as again, if you read the packet, you know this going in as part of your list building. So you should know to be cognizant that that is a secondary. Um, So the general thing is, uh, I like that it's general lived and general killed. So there is actually an opportunity cost to just giving it to your opponent. Like you either get both or you only get one yeah uh, yes. or you get or you could get none but it's like you can't like if you you can't have just give your opponent the general kill you can't get both points and your opponent if you get both then your opponent gets none there's no yeah, way everybody to, can't score them all yeah exactly so that makes there's actually some opportunity costs associated with that which is nice but the other uh, the third one feels like a throwaway one because everyone's just going to get it
1: uh, but like well, and that's that's one of those encouragement things and that's also for the two slow players and the one guy who doesn't realize he takes too long.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, I, I but I like that it's a it's an interesting way to have the hidden agendas not just be gimme points and actually affect the mission, but you had to be very aware of how they affect different missions differently because of the v- value of a single point. Since so not all points are created equal in each of Sigma, so there's now, my you, long-winded okay.
1: thoughts yeah really hey did you know the missions <laughs> ahead of time there uh, alex i mean did, yeah can, oh, based on our true. comments what what are we looking at
0: yeah well um they aren't gonna allow realm spells um but it is gonna be and they're not announcing the realmscape until the day of which makes sense okay uh, but day one is uh art places of arcane power in the realm of metal mm. uh round two is battle for the past in realm of life uh uh, round three is Total Conquest, Realm of Fire. And round four on day two is Focal Points in Realm of Light, just like we were talking about. And the final round, round five, on day two, it's going to be Shifting Objectives in Shyish, Realm of Death.
2: So I am seeing some missions that I believe will probably score more than others. They do seem fairly equal, though. Places of yeah. Arcane Power tends to score slightly lower especially if you're constantly hopping on and off objectives and playing your opponent correctly where you're not letting them sit on objective forever um those yeah scores... that's the one
1: where you get uh the number of turns you spend on the objective is how many points you get for it right yeah
2: you you, you tend to those missions tend to players either are super equal or super dispersed so i don't the three points are either going to be a game changer or do nothing i i but so there's that, but I mean, if your opponent's running away with the score, they run away with it just because they are able to sit on there forever. Uh, but those are usually lower scoring missions. Uh, Focal points is a usually a high scoring mission. Uh, yep. Battle for the pass is right there in the middle, and then uh, shifting objectives is right there in the middle. So in total conquest, uh, there's a lot of those that are about right there in the middle, I guess, because total conquest can score high or score low uh, because its mechanic is each objective is worth one point there's four objectives and then you get a bonus point if you stole the objective that turn so if your opponent held it and then you took it from them you get a bonus point so you can quickly if you go if you and your opponent are both trading off uh objectives then you're constantly both going up in points but if you just sit on the objectives you just slowly build up points so it's a it's an interesting mechanic And there, I think the three points might make a big difference because you're supposed to regularly switch off on objectives. And so a three-point swing might actually be a big deal in that objective.
1: And it tends to be that back-and-forth game, just like you said. Yeah, I think that's one where it can have a factor. Huh, interesting. So, but I mean, if
2: both of you get your hidden, then it's a wash and it doesn't matter. So there is that factor that if you both hidden agendas are a thing that both of you can just achieve them separately and it becomes a wash. Like even if you scored yours early and your opponent scores the end of game, if you just kind of ignore the hidden agenda and just play to win yours and I mean, you, you don't know your opponents, I feel like if you just play the mission as if hidden agendas didn't exist then and it's used as long as you achieve yours, then they'll constantly be a wash and not matter in the game.
1: Uh, yeah, but it, it sounds to me like you need to really pay attention to your hidden agendas in this tournament, like be, oh, be yeah, aware like, of them, I, maybe even would, design your list around accomplishing certain hidden agendas during certain missions, like already yeah, I, have that I, yep. be planned.
2: I, I mean, you should do that anyways, because you always want to maximize your points at tournaments. So, like, well, you I've should plan been, on I, getting five
0: hidden agendas. Well, I've already been thinking about them, and with my old Nighthaunt army, I didn't like do exactly what John just mentioned and like pre plan for specific instances and specific missions for specific hidden agendas. But rather what I would do is, you know, with night hunt, I would just like teleport across the board and I would think about the mission a little bit, but I would always take, like, the same things depending on my matchups rather than the mission. You know, like, if I knew, you know, as a Nighthaunt player, it's just like, okay, well, the easiest mission I want, uh, uh, my, easy, my my hardest matchup, where it'll be the hardest for me to get most hidden agendas, I'll either choose the easiest ones to get, like Ancient Heirlooms or... Um, onslaught for night hunt you know because i'm already going to be fishing for that 10 up charge uh uh, nine inches away or over nine inches away so like those ones were relatively easy and i still do that to this day in terms of hidden agendas you know before i go okay well which one's going to be the easiest for me to achieve given my current matchup but with this one it's almost like yeah you want to think about more of the mission rather than your actual matchup instead which does play a pretty hefty role in what you're going to want to do then um being able to uh really, look at uh say uh you know ancient heirlooms is is gonna be easy, but if your matchup ends up tabling you, then you don't get that hidden agenda, and you give them bonus points for the actual round itself, so it's like that that sucks that hurts, but um you know i it, uh, I'm so kind of curious
1: too. with you and with you and Jeremy playing these mirror lists uh it'll be interesting to if you guys actually choose the same or different hidden agendas and why by, uh, by mission.
0: I have already said, when you guys were just having this discussion, I was actually just setting a reminder for myself to talk to him about that.
1: (laughs) Ah, very nice.
0: Actually, like
2: going into LVO, especially I did the opposite where I would actually base my hidden agendas on the mission. I would pre, exactly. and, and I, I actually were very much pre-planning my hidden agendas permission not caring about matchups because like things for example I was like oh duality of death obviously I'm going to take the one uh hold more than your opponent because there's only two objectives turn one you just get it done uh and it's like uh many of the obje- it's like ones where you need to actually go out and steal your opponent's objective like go oh yeah just steal your opponent's oh, objective there's if, a hidden agenda where you
0: just if you hold more at any time you you get it
2: yeah in the new 2019 hidden agendas there is
0: no joke
2: which one is that uh i forget um like con- conquest or something like that um oh wow look at that That's yeah like that. in the 2019 <laughs> hidden agendas there's one where you hold more objectives than your opponent and in a mission like um shifting objectives or duality of death where nobody can hold objectives turn one you just turn one move on to objective i hold one more than you i win like i get the hidden agenda it's stupid easy to get <laughs> uh, you score immediately, so I was. I be, with the 2019 hidden agendas having a lot of score immediatelys. Um, I prefer those because you don't have to worry about pre planning for turn five, and instead I planned my score immediatelys per mission. And I was just like, oh, because then once you get it, you're done, and you know, you can just take a breather and move on with your life. And so I was just, I was planning like, oh yeah, this mission, dude, take this one, this one, take that one. And then, yeah, but, and then take uh, Onslaught whenever I need to just have a hard mission.
0: And as a counterpoint though, you could, uh, like, I think John is alluding to this. He hasn't outright said it yet, but you could easily start to be a little bit more finessy with how you set up your hidden agendas. You could say, okay, well, I know I'm going to be able to meet, you know, this one. Like I know I'm going to be able to meet Onslaught, but I want to see if my opponent busts is not on his hidden agenda first. And so, you know, you wait, you wait till your score gets to a certain amount. Then you go, okay, like I've got a small lead. Let's turn this small lead into a big lead. Like, boom, hit my hidden agenda. You know, now I'm eight points ahead and it's top of round five.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly. You don't want to blow it so early that you you make your opponent be desperate and play from a position of desperation to where he's like making risky moves that might actually swing the game in his favor
2: but when it, mm-hmm. i mean that, that that's kind of weird thought process i want to not make i want my opponent to feel comfortable and play reserved so that he plays his best game versus put him on off his game so he's constantly making risky gambling moves that may cost him the game <laughs> no, like no. i feel like this is a purely mental strategy cuz like my 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 approach to this would be i would take the score into account without hitting agendas anytime i play the game and just play and assume that both players are going to get it. Like that's how I would approach this tournament.
0: Of course. But I, what I meant to say, this whole strategy that I just brought up, the effect that you just mentioned is the exact opposite here. The whole reason why you want to do that, or you could do that rather, is to make your opponent have to scramble in the end, the latter part of the game and make bad decisions yep. because you know that you're now up on him. And now maybe he's got an end game, uh, uh, hidden agenda that he's got to score And he doesn't know how he's going to score it now. And he's like, you know, they become, you know, desperate and start making bad moves. That's exactly, I exactly mean the fact of throwing them off their game by doing that exact same strategy. It's just not on round one.
1: Yep, you got to, you got to break their back. You got to break their spirit. Like, boom. Oh, oh, I can't. And as soon as the opponent says to themselves, oh, I can't win, they can't win. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so I, I'm very intrigued by this, actually. Um, and one thing I'll say is that I like about this is through practice games for tournaments, I have found that people just don't give a shit about hidden agendas. They're like, ah, eh, oh, whatever. Truly. truly. And, but this actually forces you to practice hidden agendas because they would radically change how if you win or lose the game. And I actually like that because I've, I've never actually been able to practice hidden agendas outside of going to a tournament and having to play them so but on the flip side i'm curious to see if this would quote unquote break the game since not all points are created equal and things like that um i don't know through this discussion i'm very much warming up to this idea um yeah i just i'd be yeah it's interesting you're
1: you're like me you're curious to hear how it plays out um i think that that again, with some balance that it's an interesting mechanic and it can be played in with like, there still are secondaries outside of the game. So there are, you know, in and out mechanics. It's just that this one here is one of these things where for, for strong top players, this is a powerful kind of gamey mechanic, but for newer players, this, I think does give that feel badsy opportunity. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I hazard to think the guy that's on his first tournament and forgets to mark his hidden agenda that is instantly a a feel bad moment
2: yeah like if you forget your hidden agenda a normal tournament oh you lose some battle points in the tournament overall but you know this was your first tournament and you're probably not gonna like one to two battle points isn't gonna matter since wins are more valuable anyways you'll just go down maybe a placing or two but Losing a mission because of a hidden agenda that you just didn't plan for—that could be even—that would be much more devastating.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to go O and two, or you know, one and two, or whatever. And instead, I'm going to go uh, one and O and two, or whatever O and three. Like, sorry, I, you know. What thinking I'm saying. <laughs> about it from
2: a math from 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 a mathy standpoint, uh, with the number of available hidden agendas now, I would almost have two hidden agendas per mission and have them worth two points each. Or something like that, rather than one agenda that is a huge three-point swing, maybe have more hidden agendas permission that are smaller incremental swings to help mitigate the the not all points are created equal and uh, give just a little more. I don't know, like I, I like this mechanic. I'd almost go as much as be like, oh, you got to get like two or three hidden agendas permission.
1: And yeah, but now you're starting to talk like like bonus a bonus objective or bonus type things. You know, it's a you know line breaker. Uh, you know, slay the warlord. It's uh, oh, you know, let's, really let's not friendly. go here. Well, I right, right. oh, remember you know, those from uh, a few years ago, but that's what you're starting to describe. You know, well,
2: actually, LVO, you had three hidden agendas per round. You had your army objective, which you had every turn. Your battle plan, which was predetermined by the battle plan, and then your one hidden agenda you'd choose. But you did have three hidden agendas around. And many tournaments, due to the number of available hidden agendas, do put you to having to pick two hidden agendas around to score. So I don't think it's unheard of to do two, maybe three of the available hidden agendas per round to satisfy the things. And I'd be interested uh, interested to see how that would affect this mission uh format if you actually had the hidden agenda like multiple hidden agendas affect the battle plan score rather than um having them affect secondary points
1: sure and- but i mean at what at what point can you go into the game and uh, now i've scored you know three different hidden objectives as it were and it never even matters if i touch the actual objectives on the battle that's all i'm playing for
2: well i mean if you have like this is one hidden agenda that's three points if you had two that were four there are two points each that's only one point more Uh, or it's like if you had three hidden agendas that are worth one point each so they're all that's equivalent to one being three when you're saying the way it affects the battle plan Mm, like i'm thinking more more incremental changes per hidden agenda but more hidden agendas to shake up the game.
1: Yeah. So I I tell you what, Alex, I am super curious. And of course, since we're recording a little late in the week this week, we will uh, only a couple days away. We're going to hear exactly how this went down. And uh, hopefully Mr. Uh, Vessier will be joining us for that as well.
0: Agreed. Agreed. So it'll be exciting to find out a little bit more about how this went. And uh, I certainly am excited to dive in and try this out Uh, before we Head on out to pasture. Uh, John, is there any event that you want to promote?
1: Uh, just talking about Rose City Wrath coming up in a few weeks for me. Everybody, if you uh, haven't heard about it, check it out. It's going to be a great, great event. I tell you what, Alex, I myself am super looking forward to uh, rubbing shoulders with all the new uh, great Northwest uh, Corsairs. It should be awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, we are very excited to uh, have you up here as well. So it'll be a real great event, real fun event. It'll be a GT. It's run by, again, uh, Warhammer hero Jeremy Strofe himself. I just feel like he needs to introduce himself like that at all times. I mean, I would. Um, Yeah, actual
1: (laughs) Warhammer hero, actual name on the wall at Warhammer World.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, someone else has gotten my exact same name who is now on the wall. So I could always, you know, identity theft is not a joke, Jim. You know, I could always
1: uh, just introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that maybe next year we run the Mega Northwest Charity GT and we get you up there too. I want to see two Alex Gonzalez's on that wall.
0: See, I'm listed as Alexander Gonzalez in ITC for that exact reason.
1: <laughs> nice
0: yeah anyways if you guys like this episode today do feel uh hold on hold on yeah yeah
1: yeah i
2: i have a couple events i wanted to talk about just you know skipping me oh Um, i
0: mean okay so
2: two new events have gotten on the docket um up in phoenixville uh pennsylvania the great uh, basement warhammer guys have set up a uh april gt the forge hammer gt at games heaven gamers heaven uh, that's like April 25th and 26th, I think it is. Um, and then James and I will be running a GT May 16th and 17th at Huzzah Hobbies in, uh, I think it's Loudon or Reston, Virginia. And it is the Grudge Hammer GT. So we'll be running that. Uh, one of us might play in it. One of us, or we'll both run it. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, we got those coming up in April and May.
0: Great. Anything else?
2: Uh No, that, those are the big ones. And once we get to closer, I'll get all the rest of the tournaments that we got on the docket. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, well, there's Summer Slaughter in July. There's ATC in June. There's Nova in August. You know, the whole docket. Shark Boy, do Shark
1: weekend in August, too.
2: <laughs> What'd you say, Alex?
1: I said, great. How do you feel?
2: How do I feel about what?
0: Just in general. How do you feel?
2: <laughs> you can end the episode now, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh no 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 uh no we want to
1: hear about all your events i'm just joking uh yeah uh, so
0: you don't everyone... want to hear
1: about his events how rude i
0: know right well you know it's a give and take thing it's a it's a, it's a power thing Fair. It's, it's weird it's, Fair. It's, it's, it's a power exchange if you will uh, yeah we all
1: feel dominated
0: <laughs> we don't even have a heat night player here but uh hey if you're a heat night player uh Tell us what you want to hear. Otherwise, give us a like on Facebook and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We're going to be here every week, and we are going to be posting on the FLG site every week as well. Have a good night, everyone.
1: Night, folks. Good night.
0: night.
2: Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while, and
1: you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit.